There's actually a fire alarm going off. I was just going to say. What I have no idea what is happening here. <laughs> Let's wrap up. Point number three. Let's do this. I'll give you this. I don't, I don't care. This, I'm sure it's not. Or the building burns down. Or the building burns Point number three in there. Point number three. Dig this. You need to look at your digital analytics the same way you do a financial statement. Yes. And so what I mean by this, dealerships are great at looking at financial statements to see what areas of their business are costing them or making them money, right? What's profitable, what's not. Start looking at your analytics. <laughs> I love this. No, it's perfect. Right. Yeah, we got it. Great urgencies. <laughs> but look at your analytics the same way you do a financial statement. Guarantee you're going to find things that are making you money and costing you money. Shift and put more effort and more focus on what's making you money and cut back on what's costing you money. For freshly brewed discussion on automotive sales and marketing, this is Coffee with Jason. The Coffee with Jason podcast is sponsored by Closers Coffee. For that full-bodied, rich, sweet flavor with a bright acidity. Drink Closers Coffee, stay caffeinated, and keep on closing. Find out more at closerscoffee.ca. All right. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of Coffee with Jason. Today, I have my guest, Aaron Wood. Aaron Wood is the director of... Uh, hold on. I'm going to do this. Director <laughs> of Dealership Partner... No. All right. I'm going to let you tell me. <laughs> Go hey. ahead, Aaron. Yeah. Introduce yourself. And give me the two-minute origin story. You got it. And how you got into the business and what you've been up to. Wow. Th thanks, Jason, first and foremost, for inviting me to join you on, on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, especially appreciate a podcast with uh, my brother over in the east side of Canada. And I'm all the way up <laughs> in Denver, Colorado. So this is pretty cool. It is um, fun. So yeah, I, I'm my official title is Director of Dealer Partnerships there uh, we go. for Pin Automotive, <laughs> uh, which is the automotive division of pin business network so we're we're kind of like a hybrid of a few things we're, we're a data intelligence company we're a digital marketing agency and we're also a media company so yeah. we, we do a lot of things but the root all comes back down to data and data intelligence and making sense of and, and utilizing data to the best of our abilities with the end result of benefiting our clients. So uh, I'm in charge of the automotive vertical. And so this is a matter of working and consulting with dealerships um, prior to onboarding and coming onto our uh, agency platform. And then while they're a partner with our agency, working with them and our account management teams and media teams to make sure that we're, um, you know, serving the dealerships to the best of our ability and, and making sense of data um, for automotive to where it makes best sense for these dealers to essentially, you know, just give them more opportunities uh, to sell and grow in their marketplace and be profitable. And, and data is one of those things that's still a mystery to, to oh, yeah. dealerships. And, you know, I, I kind of give dealerships a little bit of a hard time because I feel like they, they need to educate themselves. And then, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of companies out there that uh, will, you know, mass snake oil, you know, around the words right. data, you know, and they just don't necessarily know what it is. You know, dealers, there's so much data points at a dealer, at yeah. a dealership. That it's, it's data what we data do. is a buzzword. It, you know, it, it, it's, it is. it's a it new is. marketing buzzword. And, and I mean, so I, I got my start in what I'm doing now, like eight years ago. And, uh, you know, I started off in going door to door, selling ad space in a small directory listing. And, you know, even, even that company, which was weird because eight years ago, I'm, I'm pretty young, I think. <laughs> Selling literally going door to door, phone right? book like at door to door, <laughs> literally knocking door to door on businesses and finding <laughs> contractors and such. Um, but it, but it was like you know I, I had a career directing television news prior to that, 
And I was like, you know, it's time for a change. I want to try something different. And so this was like my first four, 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 foray, foray. How do you say that? Sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was my first. Feel free, feel in free to make up as many words Dude, as you want because I make it was, it was my f- first four bubble in uh, advertising. You know, I'm just going to go with that. And own it. Nice. Um, but you know, they had a texting thing and they started to do some online. It was kind of weird because I was like, okay, you're, you're a directory listing. You're all about this phone book essentially, but you're adding in online ads and texting and I'm like, okay, this is weird. Let's, let's just get into something else. So I actually went back to the TV station that I worked at and started selling online advertising for the station and for station clients and building ad campaigns. We had uh, um, audience targeting, we had behavioral targeting, we had texting, all, all sorts of things beyond just the legacy product of placing ads on a TV website. Yeah, And it really intrigued me. I was like, man, this is so cool because it resonated with me because I consumed a lot of digital media and I'm the audience and now I'm able to take and communicate with a similar audience for clients. And I started working with some car dealerships and it, it got interesting because <laughs> I, I had no experience with automotive aside from just, you know, buying vehicles or attempting to buy vehicles <laughs> at dealerships. Um, and I started working with some dealer clients and it was, it was so aggressive, you know, cause they're always <laughs> baptism by fire. <laughs> and it, they're like, you know, I want results tomorrow. Yes. And it's like, okay, great. And you know, I'd launch a campaign 30 days later. They're like, you're fired wait, wait, what? <laughs> Anybody else I worked with, like I worked with optometrists that knew they would sign 12 month contracts and have massive success, you know, and I'd sign with a car dealership and two weeks in, they're like, our sales are down. You suck. <laughs> wait, wait, hang, hang on a second. Let's figure out what's, what's actually going on. Um, so fast forward a few years, um, continuing to work more and more with car dealerships to the point where I actually worked at a, a car dealership agency that worked with tier two dealer groups and also tier three uh, individual dealerships. And from there, I actually jumped off and worked for a manufacturer. I worked for Mazda uh, North America for a number of years and consulted with dealerships. And uh, a big proponent of that was uh, consulting with their advertising and kind of looking at, you know, where are they spending money in the marketplace? How much are they spending on average to sell their vehicles? Um, and coming up with ideas to, to help them do better in their marketplace. And a big thing when you work for the factory, you know, you want to make sure that your dealers are selling, but they're selling within a certain geography, you know, sure. you're not worried. You're not worried if, you know, this dealership on the West side of Denver is selling into the, can sell effectively into the East side. You want to make sure that they're selling as effective into the West side of Denver as they possibly can. Yeah. They, you they're want like, that they own their market share. Right. You know? I, I need to make sure that you own your market share, but each dealer is like, well, I need to sell a hundred cars this month and I'm going to sell a hundred cars regardless. I don't care where this customer is coming from. And then what happens, you know, when they go about this, I mean, you're, you're facing margin compression, um, your dealership loyalty and customer retention starts going down because you're selling a vehicle to a customer who lives 45 minutes to an hour away because they exactly. drove you to get an extra thousand dollars off. Right. So it's like, you're, you're discounting yourself you know, you're running the clearance just to get volume when, you know, realistically you could sell and make money without the volume. You know, there, there is a way to hold higher gross. And I think this is where this data starts coming in, but you know, long story short, you know, here I am today working at an agency again, consulting with a number of dealerships, not just Mazda stores, but looking at the full picture because, you know, and, and I even, uh, and let me include this too. I spent time doing finance at a dealership. I spent time coming up with a sales process for a used dealership. So I kind of dipped my toes into a few different areas there. And, you know, I kind of came to this realization and, and maybe some people will discredit this or have negative things to say, I don't really care. Um, 
You don't have to spend years in a dealership or in the industry to understand that something's broken. Sure, sure. But the cool thing is that you have had some time. So right. you under you take an operational approach to to the information you're putting out there, right? Yeah. I've gotten a peek behind the curtain. You know, yes. I, I've seen where things are broken. I see see where things fall off. And so so what intrigued me the most about um, the company that I'm a part of now is the data intelligence. Because mm-hmm. like I said, it's a buzzword. Everybody has data intelligence and they oh, I've got data. Okay, great. What are you gonna do with this data? What the hell are you actually going to do? How do you use it? And what is the data? You know, help me understand it. And the thing is that that dealers don't understand is you have so much data running in and out of your system, out of your website, out of your CRM, DMS. I mean, you have no idea what's actually in there. Even from a basic sense, just looking at like uh, equity mining, for example, Mm -hmm. dealerships have databases filled with customers who have previously purchased. What are you doing with it? What do you do with that information? And I think this is where it boils down to people in process. If you, if you don't have a process in place to handle the information you have, you're not going to be successful with it. hundred percent. It, it comes down to process yeah. and then a, a, a total lack of strategy. Absolutely. It, I it can just, give you all the data and all the information yep. and tell you, Hey, here are, here are 500 customers that have purchased or leased a vehicle from you in the last three to five years. You've got uh, some less leases, lessees, whatever um, that are, coming up for uh, you know end of term so yep. you can pull them ahead put them in the market you've got people sitting on vehicles with equity which is sometimes far and few between depending on the brands that depending you on the brand yeah 100% what are you doing with this and these people are literally coming through your back door on a monthly basis you know if you look if you look through services like these these are customer paid ROs coming through and this person's literally sitting on equity and you don't have a process in place you don't have a strategy you don't have people there to actually do something with this to benefit your dealership so i have a theory on that yeah go ahead um, because you know i i i 100% agree with you but then i come and ask my question like well, why the hell is that right why why the hell don't we have a process for this why are we not utilizing this tremendous tool that's in our hands of, of understanding the data and how we and, you know, so i think what it comes down to is just a sheer lack of goals and objectives absolutely it it, it, it like i'll walk into a dealership and and i swear i i swear it's 2019 i've walked into i mean over my career thousands of dealerships and it's like you know over the 15 year stretch 18 year stretch it's like but I, i'll get the stupidest comment in the world when it comes to a goal and objective, well, I want to sell more cars. Well, okay. no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> All right. You okay. Know, but but let's, let's, let's get a little deeper or I want to service more cars. I want to sell more parts. It's like, you know, and then they'll come up with some number, just like, a, like just some random number. Where'd you pull this out of? Where the hell did Where that did come, come from? Right? I mean, do you even think that's a, that's a possibility? And it's like, well, it's based on our inventory and what's coming in. So wait a second, your inventory is dictating, you know, what, what your goal and objectives are going to be? Like, what, why? Why? In what you know? world? In, in what world would that be the case? <laughs> what other industries operate like this? I, like literally don't. pulling numbers out of your butt and saying, <laughs> oh, I want to sell 50% more. Because I I ordered that many more cars this year. (laughs) I I mean, seriously, I'll I'll get into some candid conversation about this, but it's like, why does, why does your inventory dictate your plan? First off, first off, what's your capacity? Can, can you scale and sell more with the staff you have? Do you have enough salespeople or do you have enough service advisors or technicians? And a lot of times I'll tell you this, I would say 80% or more of dealers are facing a technician shortage right now. Oh, 100%. And this is, this is on the, uh, the franchise dealer side. You don't have the capacity for more service. 
okay? Because you're at a, at a position where you need more AMV techs and you can't find them. So yep. the marketplace is very limited with manufacturer certifi certified technicians, but yet you want to grow in service. Well, how do you do that if you don't have the capacity to grow? Yeah, it, it, well, there is no strategy. We'll right. just continue to sit here and complain about it. All right, but we won't actually take any action. To well, what are we doing to strategy, right? come up with a strategy and <laughs> fix it and come up with a plan? Same with sales. Okay. So the other thing, the other you thing want to double your sales, but you have, you have 12 sales consultants, sales staff, right? And you're selling maybe 100, 120 cars per month. I think NAD average is about 10 to 12 units per salesperson per month. Yep. You know? Okay, but, how are you going to grow if you don't have enough people to actually handle you know, the, the increase in leads and growth. Well, how are you going to grow if you don't even know what you're going to grow with? Right. You know, it, it's like we haven't taken the time to do that, right? So I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a lack of really spending time on very, very specific goals and objectives. And then the other part I find is what I call full Billy syndrome. Okay. And, and dealerships seem to struggle with full Billy syndrome. We're constantly, constantly, constantly talking about how much money we made and very mm -hmm. seldom ever talking about how much we left on the table. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, what's it's our like, lost opportunity? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like I walked into a dealership and they told me the closing ratio is 25%. And they're like, we're excited. They're beating their chest. Oh, we're 25%. I'm like, that's a good thing? I mean, you know, I mean, there's not a, a professional athlete or sports team out there that would just be completely right. satisfied with with this and, and not always be looking on how they can be better and, and, and develop out better processes and better people. It's just like it, it full belly syndrome. That's what I call yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, and, and thinking about that, you know, closing rate of 25%, it's like, why are you attracting crappy customers? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, right? I mean is, is that what it comes down to? You're, you're attracting the wrong customers. You're strategy. It's strategy. Customers. Lack of strategy. It's, strategy. it's like, you got to sit down and you got to think, who's my customer? And Go. how do I attract them? And, and I use the word attract. So it's not just lead generate. I mean, you can generate leads all day long. That doesn't mean they're good. Yeah, just no. Have leads. You're, put, you're a scratch, put a scratch and save on your website, right? Yeah, absolutely. Who, who's going who's to do that? This to get a $50 gas card. Yeah. I mean, there's enough damn companies out there that will provide crap like that. Yeah. You but know, but it, there, there's a huge market of customers that want quality experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they know what they want to buy. Yeah. You know? And it's no mystery of what they're going to pay for what they want to buy. And it, it, it's, it's from coffee to cars. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to pay for my coffee. I know where I'm going to get my coffee because of the experience that comes with it. Experience also includes consistency too. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Starbucks and there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, Starbucks is just a monster. You know, I, I like small businesses and I don't, I support them and I don't go to Starbucks. It's like, okay, that's cool. That's you. I go to Starbucks because I value consistency. Yes. Wherever I go, I can rely on Starbucks being consistent. Same with McDonald's. No, this yeah, is I, I actually like McDonald's coffee. Dude, I, love, I love McDonald's. Like, I really do like, like if there's not a Starbucks yeah. nearby, it's mm -hmm. usually my immediate go-to because I know consistently and I drink, well, I drink a crap load of coffee. You drink um, coffee. I, I do. In fact, so much so I made my own coffee, but by the way, we have some coming to you. It's in the mail. It's on its Fantastic. Way. Yeah. We, 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 we made a <laughs> Closer's Coffee. Actually, this, this podcast is sponsored by Closer's Coffee. Um, <laughs> the best part of waking up is strategy in your cup. There you go. Can hey, you do that? We, we yeah. Got a new tagline. Uh, Guys, we got a new tagline here. New tagline. Here we are. New tagline. Okay, there we go. Done. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, so McDonald's. So, so dig this. This is what I love about McDonald's. I've, I've, got, I've got three kids. Two of them are, are very little. And sometimes I'll be, you know, 
they'll be under my care to take them, you know, to lunch or breakfast or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll take them to McDonald's. And here's the great thing I love is, well, first off, it's consistent. I know absolutely what I'm going to get when I go there and how it's going to be delivered and all that. I can grab their mobile app, place my order ahead of time. So busy <laughs> parent, dude, McDonald's. I know it's cool. It's to the busy parent. And it's like, I can get the order all set up, press submit, walk in the door, sit down. And then here comes my order on a tray and they're like, Aaron, Aaron, or, or whatever the order number or, or things should be. And it's like, it saved me time, gave me exactly what I wanted and was as expected. So think of it, this is kind of back to that point of think of what your customers are doing in between vehicle purchases. You know, I bought a vehicle three to five years later, I'm going to be in the market again to buy another one. Well, what, what happened in those three to five years? Well, in three to five years, McDonald's came out with mobile apps and mobile ordering and ordering kiosks to make their experience even more streamlined and more customer centric and focused. Starbucks does the same thing. You can order ahead on a mobile app with Starbucks. You know exactly what you're going to get. There's loyalty involved with this as well, too, that rewards the customer for coming back. So in the time of all these other advancements in a variety of other industries, what has your dealership done? How has your dealership grown and adapted and advanced to create a better customer experience? And, and, and I think that's, that's so key is that they created a customer experience. But what I think is because actually I was having a very similar conversation with a dealer the other day as we were talking about exactly what you're talking about right now. And I said, look, they didn't do this because it's a good idea. Like, I, honestly, I'm not fans of good ideas. I, I struggle with good ideas, right? When someone says, hey, Jason, I got a good idea for you. I'm like, mm, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, a good idea um, is only good unless it's rooted into an actual goal and objective. Otherwise, right. it is just a good idea. There needs to be um, intention behind it. There needs to be, what's, what's be intention the what's the obje- Yeah, why are we doing this? McDonald's put all that time and effort into creating that process because the data was there. Yeah. The data was telling them this is the experience that customers are looking for, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't do it because they thought it was a good idea. They didn't do it because they felt, you know, it was a good idea. I swear, if I get when I get into marketing meetings and I hear those words, <laughs> I'm just like, no. I mean, they, they weren't sitting around thinking, man, what can we do today? Yeah, let's. let's and then some guys like, let's make a mobile app. Let's make an app. Let's do that. An opportunity to order <laughs> breakfast while at a kiosk in our store. Exactly. A fantastic idea. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, yeah, like you said, they had data to, what, what does data show us for dealerships? Well, for years, I mean, data showed us that people don't shop multiple dealerships in person. They no, well, then that's changed. shopping online. Yeah, right? that's, that's changed so much. And I think data has also shown us too, well, what parts of the experience at a dealership to customers like, and what parts of the experience <laughs> do customers hate? We have plenty of data that shows us that. What do customers yes. like? Well, I like showing up and going on a test drive, right? Because it's fun. It's energy. It's, fun, it's, yeah. hot. it's high level. It's, it's, I like it. I, I'm getting into a, a $40,000, $60,000 product that's not mine. And I get Who to- doesn't love a new car? Who you know, like that, and right? It, I, no, I love not even just a brand new car, but a new to you car. Who doesn't love that? Exactly. exactly. No, nobody would say, you know what? Uh, I don't want to go on a test drive today. Yeah. What but then they, what's, they, what's they, next? They, yeah, of course. And then, then they come back and we're like, okay, here's the payment process. Here we go. <laughs> but let, let, let me fill out this piece of paper real quick. We'll collect all your information and I'm going to go disappear into that dark hole in the back there for about 10 minutes. Yeah. We're going to be talking about you and then I'm going to come back with a piece of paper. It's going to have a lot of hand, like chicken scratch numbers on it. You know, I mean, depending on your sales manager, it may not even be legible at all. None right? of this makes sense. You yeah, just it's, it's not, it's not going to be in line with what you saw online in the first 
first place because I had to add this feed, this feed, and this feed, and this feed to it, yeah. right? But I'm going to expect you to under to believe that this number is the right number and the best number that you could possibly get this at. So let's just go ahead and do that. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Disconnect from well, energy. And you know, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jason. Like, I don't say these, I, I don't, I say this stuff out of love, you know, and this might be a strong word to use, but honestly, I have friends that own and run dealerships. <laughs> and I care about them and their business. And I'm like, if I can, if I can help you see what you don't see, cause you're too close to it. That's what I want to do. Yep. And I want to help you see what you don't see because you're in it every day. So you get kind of jaded from that experience. You're, you're callous to it, you know, because you grew up in this or you, you've just worked your way at a dealership. It's like every customer is the same for you, mm -hmm. but you don't see that. Okay. This is the first time this person's purchased a vehicle in like three to five years. Right. <laughs> I say these things out of love because I want to help good dealers become better. Yep. I want them to see it's like, listen, this doesn't work anymore. This is broken. And this is the other side to it. A lot of people have been saying that, but who's offering the solution to mm -hmm. get better? Where's the coaching? Where's, where's helping somebody put a process in place? I don't, I don't want to recommend something if I can't help them change, coach them up or develop a strategy to do something better. You know, it's like if I can say to the dealer, hey, listen, people love showing up at your dealership because you have a great selection. Uh, you've been around for a number of years. You're a big volume store. So it's like they know they're going to find what they're looking for here. They don't have to shop anywhere else, right? You got a nice facility. Your staff is, you know, courteous. But people hate, you know, being toyed around. Of course. You know, they know, they know how much this is, right? Build value. Build that value in your product. Build the value in doing business with you. And guarantee people aren't going to have an issue paying what you're asking them to pay. No, 100%. I personally, you know, so when I left Mazda, um, my wife and I were like, okay, what, what are we going to drive now? Because when you work for a manufacturer, you, you drive the brand. Right? Of, course, of course, a lot of perks that come with that. So we started um, looking and I actually went to a Subaru dealership. Here's the deal. It's like, I, I worked for the factory. I've been trained in finance. I know how sales work. And I knew if we were going to buy or we were going to lease, if we were going to lease a Subaru, I knew what I wanted, but I've, I never drove um, the products before. So we showed up to a Subaru dealership not far from home. Uh, I said, let me check out this uh, Forester. I think it was a Forester XT and then uh, the Outback just for cross comparison. I want to see, you know, what, what's what and the differences. And well, first off, I come from Mazda land of, they have amazing automatic transmissions. Yep. <laughs> no CVTs. This is the first time I like drove a CVT and I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, you'll get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. <laughs> um, that aside, so kind of narrowed it down. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to get an, uh, a Subaru, I'm not going to get the Outback. I'm going to get the Forester XD. It just was a better fit, um, better, better engine to it and all that. So I'm like, all right, let's go. Um, so looking at leasing, you know, here's where we're at tier wise should be like tier one. Uh, we're going to put some money down. Um, probably 350, 400 months. Cool. And mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Fantastic. Fill out a credit app and all that goes back to his manager, comes back. I look at the payment, 525. <laughs> like excuse me like what <laughs> did i did i stutter, did um, I stutter? Like, okay so that's that's cool good try uh yep. 
what what money factor are you using? You know, what what's what's going on in here? Because realistically, I think you should come in at about three fifty, three seventy five. Right? Yeah, like it, the very little or almost no explanation of how they actually no, this, whatsoever. This yeah. is a number that just came out of some magic box. Yep, you know? it's, it yeah. is. It came out of a magic box. He's like, okay. And in addition, uh, you're, right probably, you're probably left there on your own, right? So I'm like sitting here looking at the guy, like like you're me and I'm looking at him. He's like, okay. And then he then comes back again. Yep. And puts another paper in front of me. It's like 480. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, we're getting there. Bye. See ya. Yeah. Calls me later. He's like, hey, if I, if I can get closer to like 350, I'm like, dude, you had your opportunity to get closer to 350 when we yes. first sat down. And I said, all right, let's come up with 350. Just give, give me some explanation of what's going on here. Why yep. do these numbers have to be imaginary, pull them out of a hat, see what the customer says? It's just it's a lack of transparency. That's what it right. is. And, and consumers are looking for that transparency. It's one of the yeah. reasons I love using Uber, right? I, I use Uber because well, it is convenient, but but it's the transparency in it. I when Absolutely. I when I know where I want to go, I know exactly how much it's going to cost. Yeah. There's you know, no mystery. This, this old archaic, and because I, you know, look, I think of kind of the dealerships in this old payment process is how kind of like how getting into a taxi. You don't actually know what it's going to cost you to get from no. point A to point B. You're just like, oh God, do I got enough cash in my pocket? Is, is, am I going to have enough to cover? You know, but no. Well, I, what's but, but, the surcharge going to be? Is there going to be like an additional flat added to it just because, you know? And yeah. I think the same way. Oh, am I here too early in the month and you're a little hungrier than you're going to be later in the month? And so I'm getting a little, you know, a little more finessed and, you know, you're putting the, the max markup on the money factor <laughs> or the interest rate or whatever. I'm like, just, just be straight with me, guy. You know, yeah. this is a Subaru dealership, and Subaru, I think, is a brand um, in the United States, Colorado, and Washington. Subaru is huge. It um, is for the rest of the country. I don't know. Um, I don't know how it is in Canada, but I'd, I'd imagine you get, up, you get up to Oregon, it's pretty popular. Yeah, super popular. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Pacific Northwest. In Canada, we're also very popular because we're very in sync with our weather, and right. weather here is all over the place. So all-wheel drives. So, so that's pretty much all. It's, it's like a, a given. Yeah. You're, yeah. All wheel drive all day. But I think it's a brand that has great consumer sentiment. But then you go to a dealership that's still doing things like the old way. I, I always yes. consider it this is like this is like old Ford dealership, you know? You show up and it's like, oh, what do you what do you want to pay today? You know? it, it, well, it's, it's the it's, car badger. Remember point. that it's guy? Like, oh gosh, yeah. I'm gonna uh, get me one today. Yeah. Um but no, it, it's like money. You know, we, I don't think there's a dealer out there that wants that taxi experience. Right. Yeah, that's what they continue to provide to their to their customers. It's this taxi style experience. You right. know, it's not the. Do you think it's it's, that they they just don't know how to get there to the next step, how to become become like the Uber when they were the taxi driver. It's the full belly syndrome. Ah. I, st I still think it's a full belly syndrome, and then if you sprinkle in a a mix of laziness. And, um, so it's like, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm somewhat satisfied with what I'm able to achieve, you know, and you right. know, I don't really want to have to, I'm already working a shitload as it is right now. So, if, you know, for someone to come in and tell me that I'm going to have to step up my process game, that means that I'm going to have to work this much harder to do that. It's kind of like F no. The other thing too is, is that we're so fixated into this race from the beginning to the end of the month. That if, you know, you're asking me to bring in some additional process or develop out some additional strategy that doesn't immediately affect my 30 day race. Right. It's like, I don't, I don't got time for you. Leave me alone. No, no. it's like, it, it's like, it, it's such a reactive environment. I'm reacting to how is the month going? This, this is why I've said before, I, I posted a comment of this is dealerships really need to stop looking at their sales on a month to month basis and start looking at things on a rolling 30 average. 
And I think this, this is why I think that because you're going to see a better picture of your performance mm-hmm. in order to give you sort of the roadmap to improve performance. And I'd push even farther. I'm like, go 90 days. Dude, I think, I think seasonality is baloney. Yeah. I think it's baloney. Here's why is because you're looking at things from a monthly basis. It's like, okay, well, what about February? You have less days than you have had in January and less days than you'll have in March, right? Or when you come up around holidays and things like that. But if you look at a rolling 30 or even bring it down out to a rolling 90 or even Mm -hmm. look at the two together, you will see what is my pace? And I think this is a way where, and this could be something, you know, where, where dealership CRMs could even improve to show better reporting metrics. On so efforts. Like on efforts. On, on efforts. See, the key thing is efforts. It we would be no, accountable. We have no problem showing results. Yeah, we have no, the, these systems have no problem showing results, but it's like the efforts to get to the results, you yeah. know, it, you know, that would change things in a huge way. You know, look, are, are there more, are there more? Yeah, I mean, look, in February, are there less people in market? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But that doesn't have to change your efforts. Your efforts still right. need to be consistent. It's what it's like, does McDonald's sell less coffee some days? Sure it does, yeah. right? But then they sell a boatload the next. It does not change their efforts. Their efforts are not defined by the volume that they're going to be doing. And for some reason, as dealerships, we get into this space where our efforts are somehow defined by, by these seasonalities and with the volume. It's like, well... It's winter, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, kick my feet around a little bit. Everybody knows we're not going to sell in winter. Okay, did you and all the other dealerships in your market agree, hey, guys, it's winter. Let's just take it easy. Let's scale back. (laughs) And and then here's the other thing. It boils down to the lowest common denominator, right, where you're looking at individual sales consultants. I, I know stores where you'll have a guy sell 25 cars one month and then take off half the next month to come back in and sell 10 cars and then you know, the, the old adage is like the booze money ran out. So now he's got to sell 25 more cars the next month. Full what belly syndrome. <laughs> the full <laughs> belly syndrome. Absolutely. It is. You know, it's like, Hey, I, I did great. And now I can go eat. And well, now the money ran out and I'm hungry again. So I'm going to come back and get back to work. It's like, well, why are we doing that? Yep. Well, why is it, why is it so up and down? And it starts, it, it's at the top and it's at the bottom. And it's like, if at the top, we're looking at things more of a consistent average of results, mm-hmm. we can narrow it down to the bottom well, on an individual basis with sales consultants, you could even do this on the service side too, but let's just focus on the sales side. Individual sales consultants, well, let's have a, a daily average goal or let's have a rolling 30-day or rolling 90-day average goal and reward based off of that. Not just a one month, hey, you sold you know, over 15, so you started getting minis and other bonuses on everything above 15 units and you sold 25 units and you made bank that month and you're good because you don't really want to make more than, you know, five grand on average per month. So you take off half the next month. Let's reward people for consistent efforts and consistent efforts, not results, results, but they're consistent efforts. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're, let your efforts define your results, right? I see it. I see it the same way too, even with dealer um, ad strategies. Um, You have some brands, especially, you know, I'll use Mazda for example, they will sell a crap load of CX-5s. Like yep. that, that's a Mazda number one seller. What about Mazda threes? Okay, we'll sell some of those too. Okay, you also have a CX-9, you also have a CX-3, you also have a Mazda 6 and a MX-5 Miata. Well, what are you doing with all those? Well, we sell a bunch of CX-5s. Okay, but what is your strategy focused on? Your strategy is focused on selling CX-5s, right? At what point do you take and again, turn that strategy into something that's accountable for selling all of your car lines? 
Yes. There, there is a way to do this in any brand. You know, look at Ford. F-150s are popular. You don't have to be a one-trick pony with F-150s. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Be a DX5 champion. You don't, you don't have to be a CRV dealer. You can be a Honda dealer. You can sell all your Hondas. You can be a Toyota dealer and sell all your Toyotas. Same with Mazda, Ford, whatever. The fact is you got to look at that strategy and make it accountable for driving results across all car lines. And this is the problem. You know, dealers get short-sighted. They're like, well, we're doing great. You know, we're, we're selling, we're selling. <laughs> we're, know, selling see, we're selling, we're, we're selling, selling CX-5s. We're, sell, we're, selling, we're selling cars. Come on. Like, like, I don't need to go hey, any further. I'm selling cars. I'm, what if, what if you sold two more CX-9s a month? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, then we double our CX-9 sales. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's literally some dealers. <laughs> it's actually, it's a sham because the CX-9 is actually really, really nice. Super deal. awesome. I've got super one in my super garage. Super my wife loves yeah. it. It was fantastic. But the problem is, the customers that buy them know about them because they've went and they've done the research and they found them. But here's the problem. You don't have enough dealers actually making customers, putting customers in the market. You have dealers kind of playing catch. They're waiting. They've got like their hands out, the net ready to go. It's like, I'm just going to catch whoever's coming this way. And, and most of them are, you know, just CX-5 customers. Or well, they, they assume that the dealership, that's the, they also assume that that's their manufacturer's responsibility. Right. And, and that's, not, that's not true at all. I mean, in, not in your area. Look, if you're if your market penetration is only so much, all right, you need to generate more awareness around your CX-9. Look, if the front right. street down the street is consistently selling Explorers, all right, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to consistently sell CX-9s. You've and the got to put people in the market. you got to put them into the market. Your it brand. dealership's responsibility to well, do and, so. And look at it this way. I mean, what if, what if there was no manufacturer? Are yeah. you still going to be in business? What if they took your franchise away? What if they say, hey, you're not a Honda dealership anymore? What are you going to do? Are you going to sell used cars still? Or are you just going to close up shop? Or what if the manufacturer says, you know, we're not going to pay co-op anymore. We're not going to help you advertise. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just call it quits and, and <laughs> stop? I mean, who opens a business and says, you know what? I'm going to open a business. I'm going to stand here and I'm, I'm going to, my, my supplier is going to be responsible for generating me sales. Yeah, that's crazy. Who, who does that? No, nobody does. You have to build your brand. But if for some reason in this industry, we do. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> I don't and know. It's just other, other things, again, set out of love because I want to see, I want to see change in the industry. Mm -hmm. I want to see dealerships succeed, especially, you know, I, I mean, the market's up and down and, you know, you can, you can set your clock to it. It's going to be down this year. It's going to be down next year. It's, it's going to level off. You know, we've had a couple of really good years and it's just going to- Yeah, we're, we're plateauing. Like everyone's kind of freaking out about it. This, this happens all the damn time. But here's the thing that will happen. Good dealerships will succeed. Of course. They will come out of this shining, right? Bad dealerships will fail. It, it is a guarantee. There will be winners and there will be losers. The winners will be the ones that see benefit in- developing strategies, developing processes, developing the people within their teams and creating great experiences for customers. Those no, are the dealerships that'll win. A hundred percent. Now let's talk about, let's kind of like deep dive into that, right? Yeah. Like, cause you know, I, I know people listening to this go, yeah, Jason. All right, Aaron. Okay. Like I've heard this shit all the time, right? <laughs> let's, you know, I understand I got to do this. I got to get my people, got to have my experiences. Gotta, but you know what? Let, let's, let's give them some real, some real actionable, right? What would you say be the three things? And there's a lot, right? There's a lot of things we can do to really kind of prep ourselves for what's, what's to come over the next couple of years, right? It's just a, it's not a down season. It might be slightly down, but it's going to be a flat season. It's just is what it is. Just accept it. All right. Um, but, but what can we do to, what would you say the top three things we could do to prep ourselves for that? Mm. I'm gonna, know, okay. right? number, number one here, <laughs> this is going to be hard. And some people might have heart palpitations from this. 
Stop relying on other people to sell your products. Okay. Okay. What I mean by that is as a dealership, stop relying on independent lead providers. Stop relying on the manufacturer. Stop relying on vendors to sell for you. Use a vendor like an agency or an ad partner. Use somebody who's going to make you famous, who's going to help you sell better. Mm-hmm. and stop relying on other people to make the sales for you. Stop yeah, because once, once you turn that tap off, it's done. It's off. It's done. And, and here's the thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting all like, uh, was it Mel Gibson, conspiracy theory? Yeah. Is that him? I'm not, I'm not getting all conspiracy theory here, but these, these lead providers are not your friends. They are in business to send you leads, and I guarantee probably 85, 90% of those leads are your own customers anyway that they're just selling back to you. These are people that would buy from you, but because of strategies that these you know, companies have created, they say, you know, don't trust those dealers, trust us. And then all they do is just take that customer information, send it back to the dealership that they're telling customers not to trust anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. I don't even know if I have a number two and number three, but that, that, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest one. No, that, no, that no, is the is. biggest problem. Stop relying on other people to sell for you. You need to create your own funnel. You Absolutely. really do, right? You need to create your funnel. You need to create customers. You need to put customers in yes. the marketplace as opposed to waiting for customers or catching customers that are going to come your way via third parties or via the manufacturer. You know, you have to put customers in the marketplace educate them, overcome their objections earlier and more often in their online buyer journey or their customer journey, however it looks, and then continue that. So, so this might lead one and a half to number two point, continue that internally. So this comes down to you, you need to train your team on your strategy. This is who we are. This is how we speak to our customers. This is how we treat our customers. And this is a thing that I see a lot of dealerships lack is having these huddles with their sales teams to align everybody with their strategy. Team alignment, yeah. Team alignment is totally important in this industry. Here's what happens. Um, Do you like Mm Chick-fil-A? Okay, when you go to a Chick-fil-A, every time you go through there, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, the language, the language is always consistent. They, I, they have a cult atmosphere within Chick-fil-A. Every Chick-fil-A is the same. They speak the same way. They treat their customers the same way. They have such a high level of consistency because of the training, because of the alignment with the overarching strategy. I guarantee if dealerships would do this, call it like the Chick-fil-A method or something, CFA, CFA your dealership, right? Yeah. Align your team consistently with your messaging and with your strategy, you'll see considerable results. Because when a customer shows up, if your sales consultants and your sales managers understand this is what we're doing in the marketplace to generate and create customers and engage with them and build sentiment for our dealership as a brand and our products, if they continue that conversation with those customers, you won't have to worry about price. You won't have to worry about a customer. Well, let me get a discount. They yeah. won't want a discount because they'll actually want to do business with you. There's actually a fire alarm going off. I was just going to say. What is- I have no idea what is happening here. <laughs> let's wrap up. Point number three, let's Point do this. Three. I'll give you this. I don't, I don't care. This, I'm sure it's not. Before the building burns down. Before just the building burns Point number three in there. Point number three, dig this. You need to look at your digital analytics the same way you do a financial statement. 
Yes. And so what I mean by this, dealerships are great at looking at financial statements to see what areas of their business are costing them or making them money, right? What's profitable, what's not. Start looking at your analytics. <laughs> I love this. No, it's perfect. It's, yeah, we got it. great urgencies. <laughs> but look at your analytics the same way you do a financial statement. Guarantee you're going to find things that are making you money and costing you money shift and put more effort and more focus on what's making you money and cut back on what's costing you money. 100%. I couldn't agree anymore. Aaron, thank you so much Absolutely. for taking your time and jamming with um, me today. The building's burning down, the, the, bro. The building's burning down. Smart. So, so right. before it burns down, yeah. real quick, uh, for people that like to connect with you and learn a little more about what you guys are doing, what's yeah. the easiest way to do so? Uh, just check us out, pinbn.com. Awesome. Pinbusinessnetwork.com. Uh, check us out there online. Check me out on LinkedIn. I I like to post my opinions on very much so. And they're great. They're great. I really encourage you. Anybody listening, watching this, you go check out Aaron. Aaron, thank you again so much for your time today. I had an awesome time jamming with you. Awesome, man. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. We covered a bunch of great topics today. What stood out most to you? Be sure to let us know in the comment section below. And don't forget to like the post and share it to keep the conversation going. You can follow Jason on all social media platforms by following Strategy with Jason. You can find him pretty well everywhere you can share content. I hope we were able to get you thinking. And until the next time, this has been Nathan with Digital Dealership Solutions. Have a great day.